0: You in front of you. Either way, it's John chapter 3. Thank you guys for leading us this morning as we get to sing to our God and about our God. In John chapter 3, I want to read the first eight verses. These are God's words for us this morning. And here's what God says. say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water... So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. You may be seated. Father, thank you for your word. There's no word like your word. And Father, for these next few moments, as we look more closely at your word, help us. By the very Spirit that superintended John writing these words to us, may The Holy Spirit superintend our time together, stirring in our hearts, opening our eyes, changing us, for we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been taking seven weeks and looking particularly at some things about who is the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit does. We are now on the fifth of the seven parts Uh, And really, uh, part five, six, and seven are kind of clustered together. We want to look at uh, some of the activity of the Holy Spirit in regard to our lives. This morning, how the Holy Spirit makes Christians. Next week, how the Holy Spirit matures Christians. And then the week following that, Lord willing, how the Holy Spirit mobilizes Christians. As we can see from our passage this morning that uh, John is recording a conversation that Jesus is having with Nicodemus. And um, the thing that he is emphatic about is the necessity of a new spiritual birth. Two things I want us to think about as we try to organize our thoughts this morning. I first of all want us to see something of The requirement of the Holy Spirit uh, in our new birth. And then secondly, something of the result from the Holy Spirit in our new birth. First of all, a few words about the requirement or the necessity of the Holy Spirit in our new birth. Here in the context, what we've just read, Jesus and Nicodemus... Or having a nighttime conversation, and this conversation is is so instructive to us as we think about the work of the Holy Spirit in making Christians. That this notion that Jesus repeats to Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must be born again. Without being born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Without being born again, you will not enter into the kingdom of God. We must be born of the Spirit. This this conversation is in a sense, is ground zero. Such an important practical passage of Scripture for for seeing something of the the role of the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit is the the agent in making Christians. The context here. Jesus is having a conversation with someone who is quite a stellar guy religiously, and I would argue even morally, and yet while he is religious and while he is moral, he's not born again. Nicodemus, we're told here, is um, is, uh, is is a religious leader in Israel. He's a he's a religious ruler, if you would, in Israel. In other words, a, a top dog. Uh, he is a, a Pharisee, which is the more conservative of the groups within Judaism in that day and age. Uh, he is, uh, it says there um, uh, in, in, in verse 10, for instance, Jesus answered him, are you a teacher? Are you, I'm sorry, are you the teacher of Israel and yet do not understand these things? In other words, uh, in other words he's, he's a chief instructor uh, in, in Israel's life. He is, he is very interested in Jesus, very intrigued by Jesus. Uh, he, he greets him with a very honorable greeting, rabbi. Uh, he, um, he acknowledges that, that the things that Jesus has been doing already, the miracles, the signs, uh, it, it, in his mind that, it's clear that that just shows that God is with you. That shows that you're from, from God. In other words, uh, he, this guy is very positive toward Jesus. And yet, he's not born again. I would suggest to you that really this conversation with Jesus and Nicodemus here in John 3, it gives us a, a further picture or explanation of something that Jesus had just said at the end of chapter 2. Look with me at verses 23, 24, and 25 of chapter 2, the very tail end. It's a very, this is a very messy couple of verses. It, 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 it like disrupts our, our neat little categories. And here's what it says. And, and when he, speaking of Jesus, was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, John's gospel is structured around three different annual Passover feasts. This is the first one. Um, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. So there's in some sense in which these people, seeing what Jesus just did, were impressed by that, were in awe of that, and in some way acknowledged and assented uh, toward Jesus. And yet, this is where it gets messy. Look at verse 24. But Jesus, on his part... Did not entrust himself, literally, did not believe in them. Did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and and needed no one to bear witness about man for he himself knew what was in man. That, that, that's a that's a very disruptive passage because on the one hand, when you read through John's gospel, the takeaway is that, um, is that John says, Believe on Jesus, believe in Jesus, and, and, now, and you will be saved. You will cross over from death to life. And, and, and now he throws a little wrench into that neat little system and says, And yet there were people that, in some way, shape, sense, or form, had a, had a positive regard for Jesus. And yet they weren't, if you would, to follow the argument of chapter 3, they weren't born again. They weren't born of the Spirit. They had not been changed by the, the, by the Spirit of God. In other words, there, there's a kind of belief that merely assents to some facts, but it's not a true coming to Jesus. It's not a true coming to Jesus predicated upon how the Spirit of God would get inside of a person and change them internally from the inside out. There's a kind of belief that's it's not a saving belief. It's very disruptive. And yet it's very helpful to understand that distinction. You see, what John is explaining, what Jesus is explaining to Nicodemus is without the new birth as moral and religious and even as kind as you are to Jesus, without the new birth, without the Spirit breathing new life into us, we are not Christians. We may be religious, even committed religiously. We may be fairly moral, just an overall decent guy or gal, we may have a favorable regard for Jesus. We may even seek out and have a general interest in the teachings of Jesus. Uh, we may even be a Baptist. I don't know if some of you are not old enough to remember the Imperials song in the early 80s. The Imperials, they were backup singers to Elvis. That's, what, that's their claim to fame. But um, you, you, you might be a Baptist and not be born again. A Methodist or a Presbyterian and still die in your sins. So, so in other words, you could even be a Baptist and, and assent to believe in Jesus and not be a Christian because you're not born again. You've not been born by the Spirit of God. Without the new birth, we are not truly Christian. There's a lot of things that we can do to, to look the part. Even things that seem to indicate that we are a part. But there are things that we cannot do to make ourselves Christians. There are things that only the Spirit of God can do to make us Christians. Only the Spirit of God can bring us from spiritual death to spiritual life. Only the Spirit of God can transfer us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His beloved Son. Only the Spirit of God can remove us from the darkness parentage of the devil and bring us into adoption as children of God. Only the Spirit of God can take us from having no mercy and being under God's just condemnation to now having mercy and no longer being under the condemnation of God. Only the Spirit of God can take a heart of stone out of us and replace that with a new heart. Only the Spirit of God can do that. Without the Spirit of God, even in the language of John 3, without the Spirit of God, uh, he says there in verse 3, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In other words, without the new birth, we don't get it. We don't perceive what all of this stuff is. I mean, do, do you notice that that? Nicodemus is a teacher of Israel. He's, he's top dog on the food chain. And, and Jesus is trying to talk to him about the spiritual birth. And he's like, huh? He's like a calf looking at a new gate. Like, I do get it. And Jesus says, you're the teacher of Israel and you don't understand this? Were you absent that day in Old Testament? I would suggest what he's referring to in, in that sense is is a passage like ezekiel thirty six verses twenty five twenty six and twenty seven because here in this context I, I think this is what he means by unless one is born of the water and of the spirit i i, I don 't think he 's referring to water meaning i know I know Nicodemus is thinking I, I, do I go back into my mother 's womb again and start over again i mean and we know there 's water involved in that sort of uh, imagery and and, and I, I think he's referring to Ezekiel thirty six where the this is the promise of the new covenant. He goes where Ezekiel says to the people of Israel, "I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness and from all your idols. I will cleanse you." And so the the water there is really the the imagery of purification. Uh, and, and then he says, and, "And I will give you a new." Heart, this is Ezekiel still. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put in you, I will remove your heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to obey my rules. That's, that's what he's describing here about being born of the water and of the Spirit. And you're a teacher of Old Testament and you don't remember that? See, without the new birth we just, we just don't get what Jesus is talking about. Second Without the new birth of the Spirit, he, he would say in, in verse 5, um, uh, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter. Inter, he cannot see the kingdom of God, verse 3, cannot enter the kingdom of God, uh, verse Five. That 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 is that is without the Spirit of God, there's no true perception, but there's also no true participation in the kingdom of God. For for from from a changed heart, we now have new ordered loves uh, and, and we are now heading in the direction of a new ordered life. We we are now part of God's kingdom. Now, on the one hand, God's kingdom is a future reality. And yet, on the other hand, that future reality with the arrival of Jesus has already come in its first wave. And that first wave of life in the kingdom of God is life in the Spirit. That's why Paul would say in Romans fourteen seventeen. Um, uh, for, for the, the kingdom of God is, is not a matter of eating or drinking, but the kingdom of God is, is about righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, in other words, uh, w- without the Spirit of God, we, we, d- we don't participate in kingdom life because kingdom life at this present moment is, is, a, a, is a life uh, uh, that is, exists in the realm of the, of the Spirit, so we can be moral, we can be religious, we can have a favorable regard for Jesus. Uh, we can even have some measure of interest in the things that Jesus says. We can be a part of a church and not be born again. Second, not only do we does this passage, in, in, and I'm going to bump us out here in a minute, Uh, Talk to us about the requirement of the Holy Spirit for our new birth, but we begin to think through uh, the results from the Holy Spirit. What are some reliable signs that we're not just a morally religious person that has a favorable regard to Jesus, for Jesus, but we are someone who has been born into the kingdom of God by the Spirit of God? Well, I'm going to mention three results. Now, in mentioning three, that might get us to think a couple of wrong conclusions here. There's only three. There's not. But uh, I can only do so much in the short time that we have left. So we're going to look at three quickly. There, that We could spend more time looking at others. The other thing I want to clarify is when I say I'm going to look at three, uh, this, it's, it's a package deal. And that's why it's a problem by not not dealing with more than just three, because you might say, well, I got one of the three, I got two of the three, I got four of the six, you know. Uh, and, and, and really, it's, it's more holistic than just simply, you know, cherry picking. Uh, I've got this one, but not that one, no big deal, uh, you know. It, God grades on a curve anyway. But the first thing, the first thing, uh, first result of the new birth, the first re- uh, reliable sign uh, that the Holy Spirit has given us new birth is that we have a relationship with Jesus in which we personally welcome him that we personally entrust ourselves to him and that we personally submit and follow him in John chapter 1 a couple of verses a couple of chapters earlier there's an interesting statement kind of in the prologue of John's gospel verses 11 12 and 13 of John chapter 1 As kind of an early summary statement of Jesus' life, it says, speaking of Jesus, he came to his own, and his own received him not. Uh, uh, But his own people received him not. And then it says, but to all who did receive him, and then it adds, uh, who believe in his name. In other words, that. I think really what John is doing is to all who receive him. That, that is, what I mean by that is those who believe in his name. Uh, he gave the right to become children of God. And, and, but then he completes that thought by saying this. Who were born, there's our born again imagery there. Who were born uh, not um, of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but but of God, who were born of god you see on the, on, the, on the on the one hand when when you and I receive Jesus, that is we we entrust ourselves to him, that our entrusting ourselves to him is the instrument through which we become children of God. But the cause of us being children of God is the sovereignty of God to send down His Spirit, to stir in our hearts, to change our natures, to give us new hearts so that we look at Jesus differently, we look at everything else differently, and we now gladly trust and receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, This is what I don't mean by this. I don't mean st- that that you simply or merely believe that Jesus loves you. To to receive Jesus and to believe on his name is not merely to believe that Jesus loves you, nor is it merely to believe that your sins are forgiven by Jesus, nor is it merely for believing that Jesus has come into your heart, nor is it merely believing that you will go to heaven when you die. I've got no fuss with any of those things, but the object of, if you would, saving faith is, is Jesus and, and not these sort of perks or privileges that Jesus provides to those who trust in him. In other words, to receive Jesus, to believe in his name, means that we turn to Jesus that that we trust in him that we acknowledge who he is as lord and follow him that we see him as altogether beautiful and lovely and we love him that that we we look at our lives and we see ourselves as servants of our Lord and we serve him and that as we trust him and follow him and love him and serve him then we continually are people who are trusting Him in him and following him and loving him and serving him. The first reliable sign that we've been born again is not only that we have started to trust him and started to follow him and started to love him and started to serve Him, but every day we want to do that some more. We continue trusting, following, loving, and serving Jesus. And and when any and all do this, genuinely, sincerely, gladly turn to Jesus, then it is true that now belonging to Jesus, we are His well-loved children. That's, the, that's a benefit. Or it is true that when we genuinely turn to Jesus and trust only in Him, we have full and free forgiveness of our sins. And it is true that when we turn from our sins and turn to Jesus, trusting only in Him, it is true He comes and indwells our hearts by the Spirit. And it is true that when we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, He will get us safely home to heaven. Because to genuinely Sincerely and gladly turn to Jesus is predicated upon a work of the Spirit to born us again. And when we are born again and we turn to Jesus to, as a result of that, then all the blessings that Christ has acquired now becomes ours. First John chapter five. Verse 1a says, everyone who believes, in other words, everyone who at this present moment is believing, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, and then notice the the tense of the verb change, has been born of God. If you're currently believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, that's the first reliable sign that you right there have been born of God. And yet and yet uh, we should not take that to be the only result or the only important reliable sign or result. In fact, I would suggest to you that the reason when we when we look when people do surveys in America and and the surveys show that people who profess to believe in Jesus don't look any different morally or culturally from people who do believe in Jesus. Huh? And I would suggest the explanation for that is not everyone who says Lord, Lord actually belongs to Jesus. That, that there is a profession that one makes because it's culturally favorable and acceptable to do so. And yet it's a belief uh, similar to John chapter 2 where it says, And they believed on Jesus uh, beholding his signs, but he didn't believe in them. <sighs> What I would suggest to you is that if we could, and I think it's impossible to do this, if we could really differentiate those who profess Jesus and those who are truly born again, then we will see there is a stark difference in how we live and how we love and how we carry ourselves and what we pursue and what's important to us. For in addition to believing in Jesus as a result of the new birth there are others. Just going to give two more quickly. The second one is that we persevere in our relationship with Jesus. Particularly persevere in our relationship with Jesus when following Jesus gets hard. When following Jesus means that we run through the path of suffering and trial... And difficulty... It's one thing to say I believe in Jesus and, and uh, all of my business deals fall into place and all of my job promotions uh, fall into place. It's, it's, it's easy to believe in Jesus when, when, when my health is fine and I feel otherwise strong. It's easy to believe in Jesus when, when nobody is picking on me or, or messing on me. It's easy to believe in Jesus when he orders my steps in paths, of ease but a reliable sign that we believe in Jesus because we've been born again is that we believe in Jesus even when he tests us Listen, listen to 1 Peter chapter 1, a born-again passage, if you would. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who are being guarded. Through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. Now, at this point, it's like, cool, I've got an inheritance waiting for me in heaven. I've been born again, and, and there's an inheritance in heaven waiting for me. But then Peter has to keep on writing. and He says this. In this you rejoice, though now for a while, if necessary, and guess what? More often than not, it seems necessary, but I don't get to choose that. But if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. You see, how we respond to the trials of our lives is an indicator of whether or not we are... Uh, one who professes to believe in Jesus because it's it's nice and easy, or one who believes in Jesus because the Spirit has caused us to be born again. If necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. And I think even he... Look, guess what? Trials are a grieving experience. It doesn't make you less spiritual to say, it breaks my heart to walk through this. I, my... my I am I am melting under the weight of my tears because I'm walking through this. That doesn't make us unspiritual; it makes us very quite human. Though you've been have been grieved by various trials, then he explains this so that the tested genuineness of your faith, which. Um, which is more precious than gold, which perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, to walk through trials and to even be grieved and overwhelmed by those trials, and yet to walk through those trials and say, Oh dear Lord Jesus, thank you for your love. Thank you for causing me to be one of your children. Thank you for adding meaning to my sufferings, that you are testing the genuineness of my faith. Thank you that you are keeping me in faith, and, and you, you have reserved for me an inheritance in heaven. A third, got to go quickly, a third uh, reliable sign, it's not only three, but just three for this morning, a third reliable sign is that our relationship with Jesus spills over in our love for fellow believers. Now, I'm going to allude to 1 John. And and by the way, if you want to know more signs, more reliable signs, more results, just go home and read 1 John. It's chock full of them. But one of the things that John repetitively adds as a a result of the new birth is that we love God our brothers and sisters. For instance, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 14, we know that we have passed from death to life. We, we know that we've been born again. We know, we, we, we know we've been taken out of that realm and placed into this realm. Well, how do we know that? We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brothers. And then he says, who who whoever does not love abides in death. John would say this in one way, shape, form, or another. But but one of the things that John wants to do is to blow away the the delusion here that 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 we could be a person who says, "Well, I believe in Jesus. I love Jesus. I'm going to heaven when I die. My sins are forgiven," and 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 yet you don't care a lick. You don't have a bit of love or care or compassion. For fellow brothers and sisters. You, you don't have any interest to be around them. Your interests are far other places. You, you find, your, find yourself easily preoccupied and distracted as to how you can't even gather with God's people. To get to know God's people. To know how to love and care for God's people. Uh, that, that's an indication. It's a, it's a sign that even though you, we might profess one thing. Uh, that that there's not a corresponding, equally valid sign that we don't have a love for the brothers. He says in, in a couple of verses later in 1 John chapter 3, verse 18, little children, let us love not in word or talk, and I think he means word or talk only, let us love not in word or talk only, but in deed and in truth. In other words, when we say we love Jesus, it's a package deal. When we love Jesus, then we are also called to love all of Jesus' other kids. And, that, that, and that's broken now, You can say that on a conceptual level. I love everybody. Can't stand you. You've got to break it down into a concrete expression. To say, to say we love Jesus means to love God's people. To love God's people means that you're a part of a particular local gathering of God's people. And it's them people that you want to get to know. It's them people you want to gather with. It's them people that you want to love on. It's them people you want to love, not just in word or talk, but in deed or in truth. I close with this. You say, I still don't know whether or not I'm born again. I still don't know how I can get born again. Well, on the one hand, we don't born ourselves again. God borns us again. God's Spirit does this. But that's not to be confused with what the Scripture does tell us to do. In John 6, verse 36, Jesus says, Whoever comes to me I will never cast out. Not sure if you're born again? Here's how it starts. It starts by coming to Jesus. To truly turn to Him. And to continually turn to Him. And to actively pursue Him. And to genuinely follow Him. uh, Even when it's hard and difficult. And when you look around and you love God's people. As much as you say you love Jesus. Come to Christ. He is the one who has laid down his life so that all who look to him, all who trust in him, have pardon, have forgiveness, have been indwelt by the Spirit of God and are guaranteed eternal life. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for what your word tells us about the work of the Spirit in our lives. Thank you, Father, that you give us new birth because of the work and activity, the agency of your spirit. And Father, through this new birth, we get to see who Jesus is, and we love him, and we trust him, and we continue to love him and trust him, and we persevere in loving him and in trusting him. So, Father, be at work continually in our hearts. We are in need of you, for we pray these things in Christ's name as you're able.